glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. First John chapter 5, verse 1. I started to say I like the word whosoever. It is throughout the Bible. This will shock you when you get the definition of whosoever. It means anybody. Whosoever. Amen. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world and this is the victory that overcometh the world even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in earth, the Spirit, and the water, and the blood, and these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record God gave of his Son. Now that's where we stopped two weeks ago. Verse 11, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may, and I've circled in my Bible, know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of God of the Son of God. Thank you. May be, may be seated. Uh, our focus tonight is on verses 11 through 13. Verses 6 through 10 are some challenging verses to read. It talks about the water and the blood. And we went over that. Let me just give you a quick review on that. When Jesus was crucified and they stuck a spear in his side, out came water and blood. And I believe that was symbolic. The Spirit of God preserved that in, our, in the Bible for us. They, they tell us that as the evidence of a broken heart. But the water and the blood it seems to me, speak both of his sinless life and his sacrificial death. His water certainly goes back to the testimony that God gave of him when he was water baptized. That was his submission to the will of the Father to one day be to die for our sins, be buried and raised from the dead. And at Jesus' baptism, the Father bore witness with an audible voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. His blood, his shed blood was offered, that sinless, spotless, obedient life offered up in sacrifice. His shed blood, the payment price for our sin that God the Father accepted and the Holy Spirit is the one that's preserved the record of his life and death and resurrection for us in Scripture and bears witness to the truth of it to our hearts through preaching and teaching and so forth. And so the Spirit and the water and the blood bear witness on earth and the Spirit and the Word and the Father bear witness in heaven meaning God says, I have done everything necessary to prove to you and to establish that Jesus is not just a man. He is the Son of God. When the Ethiopian eunuch was asked, he he asked Philip, see, here's water. What doth hinder me from being baptized? Philip said, 
If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And what did Philip affirm that he believed with all of his heart? I believe the catechisms. There were none. I believe this. No, no. He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he is exactly who the Old Testament Scripture and Philip, who you're preaching him to me to be, the Savior of the world. And everything else we believe hinges on that truth. Jesus is the Son of God, therefore he is the Creator. Jesus is the Son of God, therefore he is the author of Scripture. Jesus is the Son of God, therefore he is the only way of salvation. Jesus is the Son of God, that is how come he lived a sinlessly perfect life. It's what qualifies him as the sacrifice for all mankind. It's what gave him power to overcome death and come out of the grave. And it's what guarantees that he's coming again. Because he is who he is declared to be in heaven and on earth, the Son of God. Let me just say this. We're getting ready to get into, because he's the Son of God, we know that we've been given eternal life. There's a key here. Don't miss it. When you are wondering, am I saved, don't think about who you are. Think about who he is. When you focus your attention on you, you will doubt your salvation unless you're a deceiver. But if you are honest, listen, if Satan came to you tonight and said, you're not saved, you didn't pray the right prayer, you'd say, maybe I, maybe I didn't. You're not saved. Your repentance wasn't strong enough. Your, your faith wasn't this. You're that. Let me ask you something. How many of you have confidence that you are perfect? How many of you think that you prayed a perfect prayer? You maybe didn't even pray a prayer. You might just talk directly to him and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Help me and save me. I don't know what you prayed. But I promise you, you didn't pray a perfect prayer because you were a lost sinner. How many of you believe your faith was perfect when you put it in Christ? Meaning you had the greatest faith? No. How many of you believe that um, your repentance was perfect? How many of you believe that? No, no, no. You were not saved by you. We're saved by Him. I got news for you. All it takes to be saved is sincere faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, if you pretended to trust him when you really didn't, then you're not saved. If you walked down an aisle and you bowed your knee and you prayed a prayer because you wanted everybody to think that you're really saved or you weren't really convinced, whatever. But even then, don't get to examining yourself. John says, I want to assure you're saved. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus on who Jesus Christ is. He is the Son of God. Then he goes into verse 11. So he says in verses 6 through 10, the record that Jesus is the Son of God. Then verse 11, he's going to say, and this is the record... This record that Jesus is God's, is the Son of God, this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. It is, you know what happens? What happens, and the reason we get confused, Satan, I, I can't tell the number of people that I've heard this statement regarding life. It's complicated. Life is complicated. But do you realize the gospel is not complicated? Paul said to the Corinthians that he concerned that as as the serpent beguiled Eve, so they would be beguiled and they would be robbed of the simplicity, not the complication, the simplicity that is in Christ. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And what Satan wants to do is complicate. Oh, it's a complicated matter. May I remind you tonight what it takes to get saved? Childlike faith. Matthew chapter 18 tells us, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not see the kingdom of heaven. You realize the conversion needs to take place in our lives is quit thinking like adults and think like a child. Jesus said it, that's true. I, I'm going to believe it because he's God. 
He's the Son of God. I, I trust Him. Uh, Jesus said that in Matthew chapter 18 in the context of calling a little child to Him and setting Him in the midst. You know what that child did? He trusted Jesus Christ enough to come to Him. Isn't that salvation? Oh, pastor, it's more complicated than that. No, it's not. It is me trusting Him to do for me what I cannot do for myself. And that is save myself from sin. No man can. No woman can. No child can. And so what happens is Satan wants to, through knowledge and instruction and high ideology... Let me tell you something tonight. God doesn't need a bunch of intellectuals to compete with the world. He's got enough intellect to run eternity. (laughs) He runs the universe. He doesn't need us to be a bunch of intellectuals. He needs us to have simple faith in the Son of God. That's what he wants from us, simple faith in the Son of God. I'm not saying if you believe in the Lord, you'll be stupid. That's not what I'm saying. But we get the idea we've got to be as intellectual as the lost world. No, 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 no. The Bible says when Peter and John, they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they knew that they were ignorant and unlearned men, meaning these men have boldness, but it's not because they are so much more intelligent than everybody else. They perceived they had been with Jesus, meaning they had absolute confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where boldness comes from. Boldness to enter the throne of grace, boldness to witness to a lost world. And so then here tonight when John is going to speak to me, he says, I'm telling you, I'm writing that you may know that you have eternal life, so let's turn our focus to who Jesus Christ is. Because if you're trusting Christ, you need to think about who is it I'm trusting to save me from my sin, to deliver me from hell, to deliver me from the power of sin over my life. Who am I trusting to do that? You are trusting the very Son of God. And if you're not, you're not saved. But if you're a believer, you didn't believe in yourself. You didn't believe in your Christianity. You didn't believe in your ability. You believed on Christ. Amen? I mean, when you got saved, it was that simple. I am lost because I'm a sinner and I deserve to be judged. And the only person who can spare me that is Jesus Christ. He's the one who died for me. And so I'm going to turn to him and ask him to please save me. For me, I was a little child, four years old, when I asked Christ to do that. You know what? I'm glad God dealt with my heart when I was little enough to not be too smart. I was just smart enough to trust his word. Amen? There are some complaints that all that verse in Matthew 18 says adults should be like little children. It's not suggesting little children can get saved. Why people wrangle with the Bible like that is beyond me. Other than they're, I don't know if they're under the influence of Satan or what's going on. But Jesus, when he said, except you be converted, become as little children, that's what he meant. Amen? Amen. That's exactly right. And so here's what, here's what the Spirit of God says through John. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. We're going to say three things about this point. This speaks of the provision of eternal life. God has given us eternal life. Uh, he speaks of the authentication of that. He says, because... It has been authenticated who Jesus Christ is. He's the Son of God. Then that also at the same time authenticates that through him God has given to us what kind of life? Eternal life. And of course that goes hand in glove with Romans 6.23. For the wages. By the words are so very important. How many know that a wage and a gift are not the same thing? Wage is something you work to get. Gift is something that someone else works to give you. You don't earn a gift. If you earn it, it's not a gift. If you work for it and you deserve it, it's not a gift. But the Bible says, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. 
what we've earned. I, I was preaching last night, yesterday afternoon, the men in the jail. And we're dealing with First Corinthians, or excuse me, Romans chapter one, when it talks about all unrighteousness and gives a list of unrighteous things in Romans one. And it says, and they know that they which do such things are worthy of death. They that do such things, such things as fornication and covetousness and backbiting and disobedience to parents, that's all in that same list, that they which do such things are worthy of death, meaning they have earned death through their sin. Every one of us has. So the wages of sin is death, but what does he say eternal life is? But the reward of God, no, no, (laughs) the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so then, Death is a wage. Eternal life is a gift, a gift that was purchased by the Son of God. And John is reiterating that here. This is the record. The fact that God gave us His Son is the record that in His Son, God gave us eternal life. So he speaks of the authentication of this gift of of eternal life. This is the record. God has settled it and sealed it that it's a truth that God gave mankind eternal life when he sent Christ into the world. He's given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. So then he deals with the author of eternal life. Man didn't author it. Man couldn't come up with a way to save himself. He tried and could not and failed. Uh, Cain was trying that in the garden, and he uh, perished. And so God is the author of eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. We're not the authors. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so, here, it says, and this is the record that what? God hath given to us eternal life. Eternal life will be received as a gift or not had at all. Amen? Amen. No person in heaven will say, well, here's what I did to get it. Here's how I earned it. What you'll say is, this is what Christ did for me. And this is, my faith is in him. He did it all. Amen? To trust Him is to trust Him to do the saving for us. He gives eternal life. And so then it deals with the fact that eternal life is authenticated. God is the author of eternal life. Jesus Christ is the agent of eternal life. Don't miss that. This is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Uh, Many famous preachers have been asked this question when in front of a camera. What happens to a good Buddhist when they die? On the authority of God's word, they perish. Someone says, but by the way, the question's all wrong. What happens to a good Baptist when they die? Well, the answer there should be Romans 3, 10, and 12. There is none good. There's no such thing as a good man outside of Jesus Christ. God is good, and if you're not in Christ, you're not good. (laughs) Amen. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus, he said, what? Good master. And what was Jesus' answer to him? Matthew 18. Why callest thou me? Good. There's none good but one. That's God. What? Our Lord is so filled with wisdom. In that one question, he, did, he didn't really answer the man's question. He, he asked him a question. Why do you call me good? Do you believe that man can elevate himself to being good? Or do you think that I as God came to you as man? Which is it? And the man, and so the man misses the whole point. Why do you call me good? Fact of the matter is, there is no such thing as a good Buddhist. There's no such thing as a good American. Uh, all that happens is this: we, there's none good, no, not one, unless you've been born again. 
And then because of your position in Christ, now you're good. And so then the agent of eternal life, you say, why do you bring all this up? Because eternal life is found only in one person, and that's Jesus Christ. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Unless you're in a false religion, a foreign land, and you're not familiar. Is that what he said? When Jesus said that, he was walking in Israel, and the Gentiles had not been given the gospel at that time. But it was still true. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The agent of eternal life is the second person of the Godhead, God the Son, Jesus Christ. This life, eternal life, is in a person. It's in Jesus Christ. So the provision of eternal life. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Anytime you read about eternal life, you're going to read about Jesus Christ. He is eternal life. And without Him, we are, we, are, we, are, we are condemned, we are dead in our sins, and if He is in us, we are alive forevermore. All right, number two, the possession of eternal life. So He deals with the provision. God hath given us eternal life. This life is in His Son, okay? So if God has given eternal life, then everybody's saved? No. Verse 12, he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Isn't that a complicated statement? If you have Jesus Christ, you have eternal life. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have eternal life. How do you get him? Well, remember, it's he was writing to whom? Those that believe on him. I love the fact that the Bible explains itself. John 1.12 says this, but as many as received him. To them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so those who have the Son are those who've received him. Well, how do you receive him? By faith. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. He dwells in our hearts by faith. Christ dwells in our hearts by faith. Look if you would at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. There has to be a point where we actually acknowledge that without Christ we are dead in sin and that we need him to to save us. We need him to deal with our sins against the holy God. We need him to shield us from God's wrath. We need him to dwell in our hearts because there's nothing good in us. Uh, So then 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says back here in... um, Let's see here. Where do I want to be? Verse 21. Now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Now earnest means like earnest money. That's exactly what that means. So the Holy Spirit in our hearts is like the down payment on our glorified state. Isn't that wonderful? God's given us a seal to remind us, you're mine, I've saved you, and you have an eternal glory waiting for you. All right, it says, verse 23, Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul, eh, that to spare you I came not yet as unto Corinth. We'll stop reading there. So verse 22, He hath also sealed us and given, us, given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Look quickly, if you would, at Galatians chapter 4. I believe that's where I want to go. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6. Galatians chapter 4. Verse 6, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
Wherefore, thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Remember, let's walk this through. John 1, 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them, and it's another way of stating received him, even to them that what? Believe on his name. My trust is in the person of Jesus Christ. That's who is a son of God. The person who is not trusting themselves, not trusting a religious system, not trusting their 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 religious background, not trusting their home, their upbringing, trusting Jesus Christ. That's who has Christ, those who are trusting him. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 7, that out of our belly would flow rivers of water. This he spake of the Spirit, which he would give, right? That those that believe on him would receive. Who receives the Holy Spirit? There's a common denominator, those who believe on his name. And so then those who believe on his name are sons. Sons have the Spirit dwelling in their hearts. He cries, Abba, Father. So you know who John's writing to over here? He says, he that hath the Son, those of you who are trusting Jesus Christ, those of you who have the Son, you have life. And if you don't have the Son of God, you don't have life. Someone says, am I saved? question is, do you have Christ? Do you have the Son of God? Well, I don't know. I believe this. When you've received him, he will assure you that you have him. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. You say, you mean the person that has him never has doubts? I didn't say that. You can doubt, but the spirit of God by and by through his word will assure you of his own presence. The spirit bears witness with our spirit. Amen? And so then the possession of eternal life, he makes a conclusive statement, very conclusive. You have eternal life. You ask people, do you have eternal life? Well, I've tried to be good. Well, I've tried to this. I've tried to this. No, no, that's not eternal life. When did you receive Jesus Christ? Because here's the thing. By the way, I love this chapter. Believing on Jesus is always, I've mentioned this before, it's present tense. Never past tense. He that believeth. That's present tense. It is not about I believed. It is I believe and I have believed. <laughs> I, mean, I believed on him and I still do. I'm still trusting him. And so then, it's good to ask, do you, are you saved? Do you have eternal life? I would ask you this tonight. Who are you trusting to give you eternal life? I love asking that question. If, you had, if I had asked you the question, who are you trusting to get you into eternity, to spend eternity in heaven with God? Now, some don't want to answer that honestly, but if I'm trusting anyone other than Jesus Christ, I'm not going. Amen? It, life is in him. It's in him meaning he's the giver of eternal life. We don't stir it up. We don't, we don't work it up. It is in the person of Jesus Christ. Our part is very simple. We've got to keep this very simple. Our part is faith. My part is trusting him to be who he says he is, trusting his word. He does it all. Amen? My part is faith. And so it's a conclusive statement. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. John 3.36 says it this way, and we'll move on to our final point. John chapter 3, verse 36. He that believeth on the Son, one day will get everlasting life. Is that what it says? Again, are words important? Do tenses matter when it comes to verbs? So if I said, um, let's say I, I pay a medical bill. Okay, I write a check. I send a medical bill. And I get a canceled check. Okay? showing that they received my check, that they, they cashed it, and they send me another bill for the same amount. And I call them up and I say, hey, I paid you. They said, no, you're paying us. Does that matter? Do tenses matter? If I get a bill and I don't pay, 
and they call me and they say, you need to pay. And I say, I will pay. Does that matter? I am saying sometime other than now, I will pay you. <laughs> Tenses matter. You say, what does this have to do with anything? John 3.36 doesn't say, he that believeth on the Son is getting everlasting life. It's not a process. He that believeth, that's present tense, on the Son hath, that's present tense, everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Let me put it this way. Every person in this room is either right now a believer or an unbeliever. You either take God's record of his son that he is the only way of salvation or you reject it. Now, we get very fancy about how we excuse our unbelief and, well, I do believe it's Jesus, but... No, 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 no. It's either he's the Savior or he's not. If it's his work plus mine, then why in the world did he come and die? Amen? He did what was necessary to save me and only he can do what is necessary to save me. He's living. That's why faith in him is not past tense. You are not accepting a historical record. You are believing on a living person. Does that make sense? John is not saying, I'm asking you to accept this historical record that I wrote. He is saying, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That means he's alive. Salvation is when you believe on him. When you do that, then he's given you life. You have life, and that's it. It's sealed. You're sealed to the day of redemption. That's what he says. Paul says in Ephesians 1. And so then the possession of eternal life. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I've given you these other verses to demonstrate you have the Son by faith. When you believe on him, he dwells in your heart. And so then you say, mm, don't know. That's, it's a, that's a very conclusive and clarifying statement. If, if Christ, if you are a believer in Christ, then you have eternal life. Number three, the possessors of eternal life. He's going to conclude this statement here, verse 13. These things have I written unto you that... And let's look at the word again. Does he say believed or believe? I remember hearing a preacher years ago. He was a Southern Baptist preacher, but he helped me so much. I was in my late teens, uh, unmarried still, but working a job, trying to serve the Lord. And some fresh doubts were rising in my mind as to I got focused on me, got focused on my faith, got focused on my performance, got focused on my sins, got focused on things that made me think, man, you know, am I, am I, have I been tricked into thinking that I'm saved when I'm not? And heard a preacher preach on this text, and he, he explained exactly what I'm saying to you tonight. He doesn't say these things have I written unto you that believed. Well, I did. I, I, did, my, I did my thing. Years ago, I went ahead and I prayed that prayer. I told you a story before. I worked with a man one time. He, he lived an ungodly life, and I got to try to witness to him. He said, no, no, I went to my parents' church, Baptist church, walked the aisle, got dunked underwater. I'm good. That's not what he's talking about here. (laughs) We're not talking about going through a religious motion. We're talking about personal faith from the heart in the Son of God because we believe what God said about His Son in the Bible. Amen? The record of His Son. And so he says, These things have I written unto you that believe. May I say this tonight? Again, you're either a believer. Your trust is in Jesus Christ or it's in something else. And he says, I'm writing to you. Let Let me acknowledge who I'm writing to. You that believe on the name of the Son of God. These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. You who are trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You trust Him to be the Son of God. Again, present tense. Let me just say to you tonight, it does very well to say, who am I trusting to make me righteous? Who am I trusting to give me eternal life? Me or Jesus Christ? 
If in your heart you think, Jesus Christ, then this is for you. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. He says, I'm writing to you to help you understand eternal life is in a person. And when you've put your faith in that person, he will secure you and has secured you eternally. He is eternal life. When you've trusted him, you have it. And I've written these things to give you, not only to acknowledge your faith in him, but to assure you that such faith you can rest in. You can rest in him, not in your faith, but in him. These things are written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have, present tense possessive, eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Did he mean to repeat himself? Well, of course he did. Whatever initially made you think you were saved? When you told people, I got saved. What made you think you got saved? I got news for you. What made me think is I put my trust in Jesus. He saved me. Do you know what gives you assurance of salvation? The same faith. I'm still trusting the same one. John says that you may believe in the name of the Son of God twice on purpose. You know what your job is throughout your entire Christian life? Believe in the name of the Son of God. Trust him for your spiritual power. Trust him for wisdom. Trust him not only to save you, but to keep you saved. What does John chapter 10 say? Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall hopefully never perish. So he says, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father which gave them me is greater than all. No man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. I and my father are one. Now I've heard... I heard a man one time give me an illustration. We were talking about this. He believed you could lose your salvation. And so he handed me a quarter. And he said, that is yours to what? I said, keep. He said, oh, no, it's yours to lose. He said, that's like eternal life. God gives it to you, but you could lose it. I said, the only problem with that is it's the wrong analogy. I'm not holding Jesus in my hand. He's holding me in his hand. He's not mine to lose. I'm his to keep. So if I'm lost, that's on him. And he can't lose me because he's God. Amen? Our assurance of salvation is getting our focus on Him. He's the Son of God. He's the one who sufficiently paid for our sins when He died. He is the one who has the power to conquer sin, not me. He did it. He already did. He came was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. So today, believe on Him. Rest in Him for salvation, but continue to believe on Him. What John is saying is, I'm writing this to, to secure and to affirm your faith in Jesus Christ. I love the old song, my faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. Amen? It goes on talking about, I need another argument, I need another plea. Uh, it talks about faith being resting in Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's what John is saying. You don't need a system of philosophy. You don't need a new doctrinal system. You have the living Son of God who's been revealed to you through the Word of God. You just keep trusting Him. I want to tell you something. When I, when I think of this, if my salvation is dependent on the strength or size of my faith, I'm in trouble. But when my salvation is dependent on the one I've put my faith in... Meaning, when I can focus on this, my forgiveness, salvation, eternal life is completely in the hands of Jesus Christ. I'm trusting him for that. I go, oh, well, then I'm okay. He can handle it. He took on the grave and came out alive. I can rest completely that he'll have no problem saving me, keeping me saved, and delivering me from evil. 
Amen. He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. He's the father, I'm the child. And so John's emphasis here tonight is he says, God has given us eternal life. This life is in his son, not in a system, not in a philosophy, not in a higher learning. It's in a person. He that hath the son, hath life. He that hath not the son of God, hath not life. These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. Those of you who are trusting the Son of God that you may know, that you may rest assured you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. If in your own time, you can look at John 2.11. The Bible says after Jesus performed the miracle of turning water into wine, then his disciples believed on him. Now, wait a minute, I thought they were disciples. Had they not already believed that he was the Christ? Yes, their faith in him was affirmed and deepened and grown. When they saw what he did, it only affirmed, we have put our trust in the right person. You know what the key of this message, the object of this message is tonight? If your trust is in Jesus Christ, you have placed it upon the right person. You've placed your faith in the Son of God. That person is eternal life. And he's got you. You just keep trusting him. And therein is salvation. Amen? Question. Is God's way of salvation complicated? Do you have to be a deep theologian to get it? No. You have to have childlike faith. Amen? Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Savior. I trust Him. He does it all. That's it. Mm-hmm.